Hello and welcome to Muse and Metrics. This is your host, Philippa Burgess. I am experimenting today, uh, and today's topic is learning transformations. And the experiment is, as I record this for audio, I'm also recording it for video. And it's the first time that I'm doing this. And in part, I'm doing this because as I've spoken about quite a bit on my show, I'm really pushing into video content creation and wanting to be a YouTuber in addition to being a radio host. And this is an opportunity to play with it. And part of what inspired this play was seeing that YouTube has now incorporated podcasting into the platform. So now when you go to upload a video, it says, do you want to upload a video? Do you want to go live? And now a new option is uh, podcasting. And so I figured that podcasting can be done with an audio file and then you just put a simple static cover over it. You can also add in transcription uh, captions, but also the opportunity to actually record and have a video. And therefore, I figured I would play and see what we can do to create a podcast that is in its traditional audio format, which I deliver every week, as well as lean into what could it look like if I also recorded video. The topic of learning transformations is the idea that you start by not knowing something or not having a skill. And at the end of the transformation, you have a new knowledge, a new understanding, or a new demonstrable skill. I am a graduate student. I'm actually in my second master's programs and am getting some certificates along the way. One of those certificates is from what they call the USC Center for uh, Excellence in Teaching, or CET. And they offered a course this semester that if you participated and met the requirements, you would get a certificate at the end of the semester. And it's because a lot of their graduate students and PhD students are incorporated into the classroom, uh, specifically with undergraduate students, and they want them to be skilled at delivering uh, teaching engagement and just being uh, aligned with the school's uh, pedagogy. And that uh, was even a word I didn't know before I started this, uh, this course. And we meet every week and we go through different aspects of designing courses, understanding learning objectives, understanding how to create assignments, uh, evaluations, discussion, uh, inclusivity. And also one of the big takeaways for me was that I've always enjoyed learning. I love to learn. Uh, learning is a big part of who I am. And I feel like even coming onto YouTube, a lot of what I want to do is come learn with me and seeing things that I think are interesting and wanting to share those with others. I have an approach to learning, which is very positive. And I feel that things that I'm interested in and things that I commit the time to and things that I find a teacher, a mentor, a guide, a resource, a book are things that I can learn if I'm interested enough in learning and willing to put the time in and also willing to start at an appropriate starting point. 
that if the material is too complicated or complex that I could go back a step to find a starting point that I can then build upon. And one of the graphs that we saw that really resonated with me was how in teaching you want to engage students so they're not bored, but you also want to know that you need to manage anxiety and that there was this scale of boredom on one side and anxiety on the other, and that although you want to make it appropriately challenging, you don't want people to freak out from the beginning that they don't start or they get overwhelmed or they just get panicked. And I think a lot of people I talk to along the way, when I talk about my studies, people will say, oh, that's you know too complicated for me or too much. And I also feel like I hear a lot of self-deprecating language around knowledge or learning that there's this sense of I can't or it's too hard or I don't know how to without ever having taken a course or spent time learning about that subject. And so there's this sense of certain things that I think people magically think that you're either good at or bad at without actually having time in to learning those skills. And some of them are basic life skills, but if nobody showed you how to do it, you might not know how to do it. And that's not a failing of the person as much as it's a failing of the system or the learning environment that they had that just never introduced that particular skill. And it's a very learnable skill. Uh, It could be anything from personal finance to cooking to just domestic things or anything that has to do with running a small business and knowing how to do the bookkeeping or just anything you can think of that if nobody taught you how to do it, it's going to be obvious you don't know how to do it. There are certain people who have drowned because they didn't know how to swim. Uh, The idea of learning a bike. If you know how to ride a bike, they sort of say you'll never forget. But if you never learned how to ride a bicycle, you don't know how to ride a bicycle. And the only way you're going to learn is to actually try it. And we in our society are very forgiving of children but we're not very forgiving of adults and we're not very forgiving on ourselves. So the idea that a child is going to need training wheels or fall off that bike without the training wheels a couple of times until they get the hang of it is normal. But when an adult does that, it's not deemed as appropriate and it's not welcomed. And so in some ways in our society, we stop ourselves from learning because we're afraid of the judgment. We're afraid of the blundering or being outside of a comfort zone that this is going to be awkward and difficult. Not because you're bad at it. It's because you literally never learned it. And to be gentle on ourselves about these learning transformations and about the things that we don't know or don't quite understand uh, or weren't taught well the first time that it was introduced to us. And so to acknowledge places where there may be learning PTSD or learning trauma and that it has no judgment on a person's actual abilities. And so I think sometimes we self-deprecate saying, I'm just not good at. And 
maybe you don't even need that skill. That's fine. Uh, what we're talking about here is things that would actually improve your life, would actually improve your circumstances, would actually be helpful in whatever you're doing personally, professionally, whatever you want to lean into or grow into, that these are skills. I oftentimes also hear with things like math where people are like, well, where does math really apply in the real world? Who uses that? And so I think learning math without context is challenging for people who are math afraid. I think it's better to approach it from finding a real world application where you will need it and then start learning it in the context of the real world. So for example, with biology, it's so much better to learn biology in the context of gardening. It's so much better to learn biology in the context of something that's actually interesting to you that has a real world application or chemistry in the kitchen or math because you're building something or you are uh, doing your own personal finance and investment and you want to do some calculations uh, because you need to measure distance, time, money. And you know, so finding things that actually have application in your life and then learning it from there. So I'm doing a lot of data science and I gather lots of materials and a lot of the data science. They do a lot of the heavy mathematical formulas for you but a lot of the books will have those formulas in there. And if those formulas send someone into a panic attack, it's hard to actually read the material. But even if you don't understand the formula, but if you just take in everything around the formula that they're telling you, you'll get the most part of the learning objective and, and the message. And so as I'm leaning into learning programming and learning foreign languages, one of the things that I'm seeing quite a bit is a lot of stuff that I don't know. In learning Ukrainian and Russian, I'm working with the Cyrillic alphabet. Uh, I haven't even gotten into kind of an Arabic or Asian languages yet just because I understand that is so foreign to me. So Cyrillic is a good mid-step. And there's plenty of letters that I didn't know. And I started by reviewing material and just focusing on what I did know. And then trying to see something that I was like, oh, okay, now every time I see that, I can kind of recognize that and start building that into my knowledge. But it's really a step-by-step -step, and it really is a little bit every day. And it's finding the right courses, finding the right materials, finding the right momentum and the right purpose. And to me, that's a big part of these idea of a learning transformation. And again, I say this as someone who went back to school in my mid 40s and got a master's degree in urban planning. And urban planning definitely was in the arts. Uh, the math part of it was when we did a lot of uh, financial planning projections, uh, all of the performas uh, that inv an investor would look at. And so there was a fair amount of math. It was very approachable and the formulas were all sort of set out for us, but there were certain concepts that you had to work through to be able to deliver the Excel file that had an appropriate financial analysis. And then we also got into economics and that bent my brain in a lot of ways because we were dealing with a lot of charts and graphs uh, that talked about kind of where a market naturally cleared. And 
it was all learnable. It just was figuring out the right approach to learning it, whether through the lectures, through the reading, through group discussions, there was a lot of practice that went into it, more so than I would have thought. I think my economics class was actually ended up being my lowest grade at an A minus, and it was the most challenging for me to understand and apply. Although obviously I know economics is an important part of any city and any city planning and just understanding our world and how we want to be able to show up and see just kind of how a free market works. So it was important for me to learn. It was obviously an essential piece of it, but it was definitely more challenging. It was uh, the part that I struggled the most with, but I got through it. And at the end, I feel like I learned a big part of what they wanted us to learn. I, I could absolutely spend more time with it and take it to another level. And I probably will in the fact that a lot of the data science that I'm working with now and data visualizations, there's a whole sort of subfield called econometrics where you create uh, data sets and visualizations based on economic data. And since I'm studying now spatial data science, we're able to sort of put that data on a map or over time so you can see change and flow and how information lays out spatially. So those are things that I'm learning. And that was the thing about the urban planning is we then took a big data class and that was where I fell in love. That was where I was like, oh, this is interesting to me. I absolutely feel like this is the piece of urban planning that I want to do is the spatial data science. And I started in September in a certificate program in GIS, so Geographic Information Sciences, and that was hard. I wanted to do it because I felt it would be valuable for me to learn how to use the software to make maps and to work with data sets and to begin my journey in data science and data analysis and spatial data. But I found it incredibly challenging. It was very hard for me mentally to switch from someone who academically had been trained in the arts, the liberal arts. So my undergraduate was in international relations. I had a minor in film. Uh, urban planning was definitely a master's of arts. It, there's definitely a social science to it, but it's more on the social than the science. And so getting into a science degree uh, was very challenging. It was just a different way of studying, a different way of learning a different way of being evaluated. There was hard skills of actually learning how to use uh, the equipment. The uh, Well, there's actually equipment you use to sort of gather spatial data and then the software to process the data that you gather. And all of these very earth science concepts, geodesy, and everything to do with cartography, geography, in Understanding that what science was doing was making itself replicatable so that when you presented a paper, you were saying, what was my scope of study? What was I looking at? What tools did I use? And then what was my methodology so that if someone wanted to repeat what I did, they could. It's a very repeatable process. And then I talk about my results 
and then a discussion of where perhaps my limitations were, where I ran into problems, if I were going to do it again, or someone else was going to do it, how they might do it differently to get a better result. And I started to understand that science was incredibly collaborative, but you needed to be very factual in how you presented the inquiry and that science looked to answer these questions in a very organized way and organized enough that someone can sort of take what you did and repeat it and it should result in the same result that the, that the idea that science is sort of a replicatable process and that was a new concept for me and it was really hard to sort of bend my brain to switch gears but once I did it then started feeling more comfortable and so my lowest grades and all of my academics and graduate school were in that first semester where I ended it with a B minus and a B plus and part of it was because I didn't know how to study this. I didn't know how to test appropriately on it. So I did great when it came to write a paper, but I didn't do so well when it came to the exams. And it just was part of like not understanding how to grasp and really learn the terminology in a way that was testable. And sometimes lower grades are just a cry for help. It was not that I did not put the effort in. It was just that I didn't know how to approach it. And I was quite overwhelmed by all of it, but joyful in the process. I think that's another part of that boredom versus anxiety is being very aware when you're looking to learn something that you are aware of your level of anxiety. You're aware of your level of fear around something and to the best of your ability to find ways to calm yourself without avoiding the task but to approach it in the most relaxed joyful way so that your brain is really calm when it looks at the material in a way that your brain can absorb the material because as soon as you introduce anxiety or fear the brain sort of shuts off and all you'll focus on is the things that you don't know rather than building on and recognizing the things that you do know. So those are just some thoughts about it. And in our society, there's now so many tools for learning. So understood that there's obviously a traditional four-year degree, there's graduate programs, but there's so many certificates, there's so many just regular courses, there's so many opportunities to learn there's so much published material there's so much on YouTube that if you have an interest in anything any subject there are plenty of resources and places to go to find materials and even if you don't like to read there's audible uh, which will read it to you I love audible I and as a master student I find that even with a PDF, I can get into Microsoft Edge and have Microsoft Edge read it to me. So all of those things I find really helpful. And you might not have any interest or time or commitment or anything that would sort of lead you to go back to school, but there are still ways that you can take the best of 
what a learning transformation looks like and see where you might apply it in your life. And part of what we do when we are looking at a subject is reading a lot of different perspectives about that subject, looking at it from a few different angles. And that's something that I would encourage for anything that you want to learn and you want to incorporate in your life is not to look for one resource, but to look for several. Find multiple videos, find various books or PDFs or reports or uh, groups that you can join, conversations you can be part of so that you can see it in a couple of different facets and perspectives, but you're also able to find whatever the most appropriate starting point is for you or the more applicable it can be in your life, the more that you can really understand your why you want to learn this, how do you benefit from uh, this transformation, uh, acquiring this skill has a big part of why you're going to be motivated to lean into it. And that in the context of a university program, we get 16 weeks to go through this transformation, to lean into this topic. And it doesn't matter kind of what you want to do. Some things are learnable in an hour or three, but really to give yourself time into something, to keep showing up, to keep getting better at it, to relax into it, to find your confidence, to find your pace. It's nice to set yourself up with a multi-week, multi-month program, or even in a long view. I'm working on languages, whether it's programming languages, foreign languages. I'm going to be in school through the end of 2024 in my current program, which I expanded into a full second master's. And my now focus is on human security and geospatial intelligence. So I'm looking at how satellite imagery and drone imagery can help in disaster preparedness, disaster response, disaster relief, and just understanding the different aspects of how um, our climate impact is changing our weather and whether it's a natural disaster or a technological disaster. This is all of the stuff that I'm now learning about and incorporating that with using this GIS technology and the software uh, for making maps and making data sets and making data visualizations. And with the intelligence and national security component of what I'm doing, uh, language learning is uh, key to that. And so I'm having the opportunity to uh, lean into foreign languages. I know a little bit of French, um, probably about an intermediate, but still needs to be polished and cleaned up. I'm somewhat of a beginner in Spanish, beginner in German, and really now leaning in to get to an intermediate level uh, with the Ukrainian and Russian, which are different languages, but sort of crossover by about 60%. So I'm sort of learning what's similar and then learning what's different. And I'm seeing a lot of words that are actually very English, and I'm seeing words that are French, and so it, and I'm seeing words that are German, and so seeing how all of these kind of languages kind of blend together as well. Uh, and it's a little bit every day. I signed up for a course called uh, uh, "From Beginner to Confident Speaker" in Ukrainian, and I'm working through that material. And I find like if I'm just doing half an hour to an hour every couple days I 
keep getting better. And then on Audible, I have a learn Russian book that I'm working my way through. And I've been dealing with getting myself caught up on Russian history and Ukrainian history and really under better understanding, you know, how did we get here and what happened um, between the Bolshevik Revolution with Stalin coming into power with World War II, uh, with the Soviet Union, with the falling apart of the Soviet Union, uh, with Ukrainian independence, with the fight over the Donbass, and now with the Russian invasion of Ukraine and sort of this uh, fight between um, Russia and the West. And so just kind of watching all of that and really trying to get a better context of how did we get here and, and how do we uh, support and where does this all go next? And that's, you know, kind of led me to uh, these language studies. And so I just want to encourage you and inspire you to think about your own learning journey, your transformation, your relationship to learning, how if there's any part of you that needs to be healed around learning that you um, consider that and think about ways that uh society is not gentle with us especially as adults uh, because I'm reading a book on how to learn languages called the loom of language and it really emphasizes the importance of blundering through of being imperfect on your way forward on being willing to be bad at something before you can be good at something and being willing to be a bit uncomfortable but do it in the most relaxed way so that you can just take it in and then build upon it and these can be in ways that there's certain things I think people again I think the maths the sciences and even the arts whether it's singing whether it's writing uh, whether it's math people sometimes will have these very self-deprecating ways of talking about themselves related to these subjects there's so many people, and I used to be one of them, who would say, I can't sing. And that was my truth. And anybody pretty objectively could agree with me. Yeah, you're not pretty good at this. But I never had the opportunity to take a class to actually learn it. And I bumped into that a lot, even as a child, where I wanted to learn things. And my parents were super supportive of getting me into any class that I showed interest in. But within the school itself, when they offered things like I wanted to play basketball and they had a tryout and they're like, well, you're not good enough, so you can't play. And I was like, okay, well, then when do I learn? And I remember my freshman year of high school, I went to try out for choir and they basically came and said, you're not good enough. And I kind of was back to that, well, when do I learn? If I can't participate, I don't know where I start. And that's one of the reasons I absolutely fell in love with martial arts because it was this idea that you show up and you're welcome and you're invited and you're basically said, uh, just keep showing up and we'll teach you everything you need to learn and you'll start as a white belt and we have this curriculum organized in a way that you'll always continue to review the basics, you'll always continue to get better at things, but you can also progress and proceed in a way that is appropriately challenging, but doable. And it will take time and it will take 
a level of discipline and commitment, but you'll get there. And now I'm getting ready for a third degree black belt test. And it's 15 years later, but I've just been slow and steady. And I'm not necessarily good at it in a traditional way. I mean, even as a child, I was always the one who loved dance, but was in the back kind of following along what is everybody else doing. Now, over time and practice, I have gotten better and there's certain material that I can absolutely perform on my own. And then there's other material that I appreciate the fact that we get to test as a group and I can know pieces of it, but I can also lean on the collective momentum in in a testing environment. And that's uh, something that I've really, really appreciated because I was able to show up with no knowledge and no experience and told, yep, don't worry about it. Just keep showing up. You're welcome here. And, and you're part of this community and you will just continue to grow. And I love that. Uh, same thing even now with the university. I love that uh, I show up. Obviously, I pay for it. But everybody there that I interact with is absolutely committed to my growth, my learning, my success. And if I have trouble with something, you just, you ask, you reach out, you ask for what you need and they direct you to give you whatever resource is going to help you on your learning journey. And uh, you are allowed to ask for help or even recently I needed to just ask for an extension on a project because I had too much going on and there was no way I was going to deliver it um, on the requested deadline and the professor understood and he knew you know some of the other things that I was doing and um, I asked for an extension and I only really asked for two days but he said oh take a week you're good and I appreciated all that extra time to really do the assignment as well as I could and those are ways that you are able to reach out and ask for help, ask for what you need. Uh, last year, I took my first uh, voice class and I loved it. It was so nice to spend time with somebody who is a professional uh, singer and voice talent and really has an incredible command of his voice. And his instruction was basically to relax and have confidence and practice and start at the beginning and lower your expectations on what you should or should not be doing or having any right, wrong, good, bad. Ultimately, the goal is to make your voice be effective for whatever purpose you're using it for but that to understand that there's different techniques that you learn, different techniques that you practice to get to different levels and different purposes of using your voice uh, for speech or for song. And it was a wonderful opportunity for me to practice and to get better techniques and to come away with understanding that singing is learnable. Public speaking is learnable. Writing a book is learnable. Writing a play is learnable. All of these things that might seem like, oh, that's for the special or the few. It's like, no, not really. They just have more motivation, more time in. Uh, another aspect of this is just kind of marrying will and desire. If you truly desire it, you will start noticing everywhere that it starts showing up in your life. 
and the way that our current technology is coded, they will recognize that too. Because if you do a search on the internet or you go shopping for a product related to it or you uh, find and sign up for a group on Facebook, it will recognize that this is now an interest of yours and it will start serving you up all sorts of related information about whatever it is that you're interested in. And so as soon as you start showing a desire, you can start looking for uh, all of those resources, whether it's the Facebook group, whether it's a book, whether it's an audiobook, whether it's a PDF report. A lot of times I'll Google things that I'm interested in and, and end it with, the, with PDF. You'll find a, a lot of free resources, whether it's a book or a report that you can download. Um, be careful of some of them because you don't want to download anything that's got a virus or anything to so make sure your computer is sort of appropriately protected from any of that. But more often than not, you'll get the resource that you're looking for. Uh, again, I'm a huge fan of Audible because it's read it to me. I use Microsoft Edge and its read aloud function all the time. So that if I have a PDF or any kind of online resource, I can also have it read to me. And so those are ways to sort of jumpstart your learning. And of course, YouTube. YouTube is an incredible school for all things. Uh, Khan Academy. So when I was at the recent geospatial summit um, through my school, and they were talking about, you know, if you had one thing that you would want people to learn, what would that be? And it was statistics. They wanted people to get better at statistics. And that was something that I'm like, oh, yeah, I could definitely statistics, calculus, kind of a, a bit of a geometry and algebra refresh uh, would be good for me. And so I have this kind of learning journey, not only within my school, but also things that I'm learning on my own, like foreign language and aspects of data science that are not included in my school program and certain foundational math as I gather various books and resources on data science, many of them include the math of machine learning, the math of AI, the math of data science, and whether that's algebra, calculus, statistics, there's so many free courses, Khan Academy, although it, it, it's designed for the K through 12 uh, curriculum, adults are welcome to step in and just go back to a place where you can find a comfortable point of entry and then build upon that. They're very learnable. Uh, they're very approachable. They're very good places to start. It's just we need to be kinder and gentler to ourselves about the fact that we will blunder through this. We will make mistakes, that it's not that familiar to us until we have time into it. So back to that idea of, of desire and will if you have a strong enough desire for and a strong enough why you're doing this, what is the purpose? And then the will behind it is the actual willingness to show up, the willingness to put in the effort, the willingness to do the work and to structure a plan that is deliverable, that you can actually have something. And the stronger the desire, the more momentum behind it. And I've talked in previous podcasts about the power of momentum, that once you have that, that force and that movement, it will just take you further faster because you have that sense of movement and you can 
use that. Uh, I think one of the challenges that I've had professionally is that I have unplugged in some ways from things that I was doing previously that I had momentum and I kind of stopped and I got to a full stop. And school, I have momentum in school I really like, but I realize with everything that I'm doing professionally, I'm doing a massive reset and I need to start to build momentum. I need to find that rhythm and that structure and that thing that I become known for. So not only am I seeking out information and learning and community, but that that community starts to know to seek me out as well because I'm what I'm known for and what I do becomes clear. And it's becoming clear to me. But where I'm at right now is on this wanting to build my brand around come learn with me. If I can learn it, anybody can learn it. And so I'm here learning math and I'm here learning science and I'm here learning how to make videos and I'm here learning data science and spatial data science. And that leans into AI and machine learning, uh, not only just kind of the, the back end and kind of how to code and program it and understand the algorithms, but also how is it showing up in our everyday lives and how should we be aware of where it's working, where it's not working, what its limitations are, as we're gonna see it become more and more deployed in our society. Uh, to benefit, uh, but also uh, to cost and detriment, and we should be aware of it and knowing how to speak up about it, that not everything is always going to be good and that it will do damage and harm and that we shouldn't just settle for the company saying, hey, it lives in a proprietary black box, that we can actually be able to uh, question it when it doesn't actually serve and when human intervention and a human overview of a particular uh, circumstance are required and not just leaving it up to the machine. Uh, I just uh, did a audio summit uh, through my group uh, Women Tech Makers and I'm an ambassador there and it's a mentorship program through Google where I'm being mentored as a woman in tech uh, along with a thousand other women around the world and it was a program we applied to and getting into it has been great and a lot of learning and a lot of community and it uh, was an opportunity to bring that community and celebrate International Women's Day with an audio summit that I produced that aired on 360 Talk Radio and now is on my YouTube channel on uh, Muse and Metrics. And it is something where I am learning Premiere Pro and the Adobe Creative Suite and did the transcription and the captions came out okay. I, I'm so grateful to have that feature where it can take audio and turn it into captions, but you also realize the limits of AI. It absolutely needed to be manually reviewed and cleaned up make sure the appropriate speakers were assigned and that what they were saying was actually correct. And I did a draft and I felt good about the draft and then realized I'd still had a long way to go to get it really appropriately cleaned up. And even within the accents, I had three women who were of Indian descent and the AI just thought that all three of them were the same person. It was very good at distinguishing everybody else who was native 
American or British, but it was not good uh, at other accents. So, you know, all of these things still need work. They don't quite work always the way that we want them to, and they do need manual oversight and editing. The good news is many jobs won't be eliminated. Um, some jobs will be, new jobs will be created, but it's making sure that uh, we're able to, as a society, help to educate or create opportunities for those whose jobs are being eliminated to what are other things that they can do. And that's where I feel like we as a society still always need to learn because our society keeps changing, evolving, moving forward. And so we need to continue to adapt. I always remember working in Colorado about five years after social media had really entrenched itself in New York and LA. And I moved to Colorado and it was like I went back in time. And then I was working with HOAs and mid-level, middle-aged managers who were really mad that digital technology had infiltrated their workspace. They were very good at what they do, did. They were very competent and stable and grateful for the opportunity to be where they were. And they were mad that something was coming in that was sort of forcing this re-education in a way that they just were not comfortable with at all. And they were getting a lot of pressure both individually and collectively to say, you know, you should be integrating Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter into your everyday work life. And they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't understand the concept of creating a personal brand. What did that look like? And the relationship between their personal life and their professional life. It's something we've all had to navigate. But it was a time I was doing a fair amount of marketing consulting work and freelance freelance marketing content and I was given a lot of these projects and I could see these people um, primarily women uh, trying to navigate this a lot of them were really scared because they felt like if they created a LinkedIn profile their boss would think they were looking for a new job and fire them they didn't know how to just navigate it and I can have empathy for that but at the same time I also see that they just had to get through it. It wasn't going away. And it wasn't something that everybody kind of knew what to do with. And they needed to explore it and look at it and figure it out. And ultimately, over time, in many cases, it became its own sort of marketing department. And, and the day-to-day -day role of people uh, was much clearer that you know wasn't particularly something that everybody had to deal with. And they learned what it was like to have a personal Facebook account versus a professional kind of LinkedIn profile and how they could protect different um, activities that they were doing online or be more transparent but keep things in a way that wasn't going to harm their professional relationships and uh, professional identity. So we're seeing that kind of evolve but I think we're past that now I think most people now have figured out how to incorporate this digital world within their personal and professional lives and find whatever value is for themselves in these various uh, social media platforms 
Where we are now, though, is we're coming into a need for digital literacy. Digital literacy is where we are and where we're going. Um, AI and machine learning are only going to continue to accelerate their deployment in our lives. And it's something that we need to understand what they are, how they work, how they're being used. And just the ability and need to communicate more with data. Uh, we are gathering and collecting so much data. Data is so readily available, but knowing how to use that data. And I say this coming from looking at USC and looking at all the classes and majors that they offered. I was just kind of poking around when I was registering for classes. And I noticed that every single major, it did not matter whether you were in biology, criminal justice, uh, urban planning, international relations. It didn't matter what communications, didn't matter what you were studying. Uh, all of them have data science now embedded into the curriculum. So everybody graduating now from college is trained in this way of thinking uh, with statistics and with uh, data sets and understanding just all the basics of how you gather data, analyze data, ask questions of data, uh, create data visualizations, uh, communicate, evaluate, and ultimately make decisions. Uh, it can also be used as propaganda. So I think, again, as a society, collectively understanding that if someone shows you a graph, not to sort of immediately come to the same conclusion that they want you to come to, but understand where that data was collected from, how much bias is included in that data. If someone else received the same data set, would they be able to deliver the same visualization? And so also kind of understanding how to detect and be aware of what is propaganda, what is de designed to elicit an emotional response or create a certain bias. And we're seeing that so much in our society being so politically divided is when people say, I did the research, I looked it up. Okay, well, if you just did a Google search on that, it's not really thorough research because the way the algorithms are, they're only enforcing your own worldview. And this is back to learning transformations, to really understand that whatever you're looking at, you're looking for objective information. You're looking for multiple perspectives, if it is an opinion. You're really trying to get around an issue from multiple sides and see different aspects of it. So it's not necessarily a singular point, but it's a multiple uh, ways in which you are engaging with material about a topic and that you're continuing to affirm for yourself when you recognize things, when you understand things. And then you put a pin in things where you're like, oh, I, I don't recognize that term or I don't know what that calculation means and not being afraid of it, but just pinning it for, okay, we'll, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that when I have more understanding or I'm a little further along. And then I'm not afraid of what I don't know. I can just put a pin in it and appreciate what I do know and focus on what is the little piece that I'm learning right now. What is the part that is somewhat familiar to me, but I need a little bit more practice. I need a little bit more time in and to be able to not be afraid of, of things that are very difficult and back it up to a level that is approachable and is a starting point. 
So an example of this is in learning Cyrillic. There are letters that we recognize because they're the exact same as English. There are letters that are transposed that are similar to English but have a different pronunciation. And then there's letters that are a different visual but still have a very similar sound to English. And then there's letters that are entirely visually unique as well as being sounds that are not as common or not a letter in English. So they're, they're kind of a combined uh, combination and it's still not very easy to uh, an American tongue or an American ear. They're just, they take practice and they're just rather unfamiliar. So when I see those letters, I think I kind of know what they represent, but I sort of also kind of move past them. I don't spend a lot of time just getting stuck there. And then every time I move through it, it's like, okay, I I get another little piece of it. Okay, and I get another little piece of it. And it just takes time. So do not be afraid of anything. If somebody has learned it, it is learnable. Uh, It might take you many years to learn something. It might take you a formal education to learn something. Um, But you might not need that. You might need more small pieces Uh, along the way that are very approachable and very findable. There are so many uh, free, low-cost, easily accessible uh, ways to get and gather knowledge and then show that you have a demonstrable ability with that knowledge, uh, something that you can create a portfolio from, uh, that you can actually show that you have and have mastered a skill or that you can take a placement test. I mean, that's something, one of my goals is that in the next year I can take placement tests for my language so that I can really demonstrate, yes, I can read it, I can write it, I can understand it when I hear it, and I can speak it are all part of a language placement test. Um, Same thing with, you know, interests in math and science that I can be able to Uh, take tests and get professional certifications as needed. Uh, But really even other things where the proof is in the action. So if you're running a small business, you know, ultimately is the business successful? And are you able to understand your books and file your taxes and not necessarily outsource things in a way that you're blind to the process and what's happening, but you're aware, even when you need to ask for help, even when you need to hire out, of what your financial cash flow is, what your profit loss is, what your balance sheet looks like, what your tax liabilities are, what's write-offable, you know, how do you deliver your reports, how do you get the information that your tax accountant will need, or how do you file your own taxes, whatever it is around that. If that's the what needs to be learned, it's all learnable. If uh, what you need to learn has more to do with creating a portfolio to say, hey, I know how to do this. Here's some examples of my work. Uh, for me, I really want to learn video. And the proof of that is going to be in the fact that I make videos, I post videos, that the audio works, that the quality of the video works that the content is there and valuable and engaging, that I build community, that I have subscribers, that I have watch hours. All of that is testament to the fact that 
I'm learning how to do video. And sometimes the doing of it is what helps you grow. But I look for classes and information all the time to help me continue to grow in this journey. Like I'm learning how to use editing tools. I'm learning how to uh, fix my audio. I'm learning how to do better production. I'm learning how to use a green screen. I am now learning how to do an audio podcast as video and seeing if that's something that can enhance and bring my presence on YouTube further, faster. So all of these things that we're continuing to lean into and continuing to learn, I just want to encourage you, do not be afraid. Uh, There was a gentleman who wrote a book called The Silva Mind Control Method, and he was did work where he specifically was in radio and radio electronics and he had the way that the circuit kind of moved and he related that to the brain and he had children who were struggling with school and he connected that the more relaxed he could make them that the more easily they would acquire knowledge and retain knowledge and it goes into this other stuff where his secretary kept winning everything from lotteries to raffles to everything because she was able to get into this really sort of relaxed state. And that's a whole kind of different side of it. But the basics of his teaching in the Silva Mind Control Method was about really relaxing so that you could get the things that you wanted. And if wanting something like learning was the thing, by being relaxed and joyful, you are more likely to attain it. And so that would probably be my biggest takeaway is to approach learning with curiosity, approach learning with joy, approach learning with confidence, and look for ways in which in some way there's some learning trauma that uh, needs to be addressed. And I'm not saying that's not real, that you didn't experience it, that something in your past wasn't difficult, but to also not need to carry that with you to say, I'm not good enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not capable. Uh, you can say, I'm not invested, I'm not interested, I don't want to do that. And that's fair, that's a choice. But there's nothing stopping you if you do want to do that. Or if something really is stopping you to address that, what is that and why is that there? And is that another way? And is that just an idea that you have? Or what's true about that? And ultimately, going back to you don't need to learn everything. And there are some things that you truly are like, no, I will never need that in my life. And I never want to learn that. And that's fair. But the things that you do need and that you do want to learn and that will take you further faster and whatever your goal is to uplevel your life then to approach that learning with enthusiasm, to approach it with joy, to approach it with confidence, to find like-minded people who will cheer you on in your journey, who will help you understand the hard questions, who will hold you accountable, who will congratulate you when you do well and give you direction when you don't know where to go next and lead you in ways that result in a valuable learning transformation because that's what all of the learning is about it's about starting from somewhere where you don't have that skill you don't have that knowledge or you have a very foundational 
but you need to build upon it, grow it, evolve it, improve your ability to think critically about it, uh, develop a skill that takes practice. One of my favorite things about something being hard is I love the mantra, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And there are certain things that you do get accolades for, you do get paid better for, because it's not easy and not everybody can do it. The people who can do it are the ones who have that desire and that will and that are able to put the time in and to figure things out and to build and build and build on a skill set that ultimately in time they have something that's valuable. I think my favorite thing in feeling like video is difficult is that I'm kind of happy that not everybody's going to do it. And that's a blessing because it means that once I figure it out, I'll have more staying power. I'm not just as easily replaced by the next person because there is actually some time and effort that went into creating something that has value. So don't be afraid of the difficult either because go back to if it was easy, everybody would do it. So give yourself credit for the things that you're doing that are not easy and that not everybody can do out the gate, but they need to find that commitment, find that desire, that will, and put that time in, make those strategic investments so that they can really have something that really delivers value. You don't have to do everything, but to do a few things well, but not be afraid to grow and learn and adapt because our society keeps changing. Its needs keep changing. Its job opportunities keep changing. And we need to grow, evolve, adapt uh, in order to really enjoy the changes and not be intimidated or left behind by these changes. And that's a big part of this, just learning to adapt. And adaption takes growth. Adaption takes uh, courage. Um, but ultimately, we can be better for it uh, should we do that. So this is just a talk about learning transformations, not being afraid of learning transformations, to embrace them, to uh, see what you can learn, what you're excited about learning. If you've never taken a class or nobody's taught you something, then to say that I'm bad at it, well, yeah, that that's fair. We understand that because you never learned it. But if it's something that you want to be good at, lean into it. Uh, look for opportunities to find a starting point and gain confidence and build upon that confidence and find people who share similar uh, dreams, desires, passions, interests. And the community ultimately is a big part of going further faster. And being part of Learn Transformation is really more exciting when you can do it with others, where each of you bring your own skills, your own interests, your own talents, and, uh, and then seeing kind of where you take it next. And with that, I thank you for my very first audio and video uh, podcast. So thank you for joining me. I, if you have not listened to my show, I invite you to check it out on 360 Talk Radio uh, weekly or also come and check out the videos that I'm making on the YouTube channel on 360 Talk Radio and Network for Women and my own channels, Views and Metrics and Philippa Burgess. So I look forward to seeing.
And that's a wrap.